We've, uh, we've been in a series that we're continuing this week, uh, number four, in that series called Everyday Essentials. And the, the big question behind the series are, what are the essential things that we need to understand how to live out in everyday life if we're following Jesus and building on Him as the foundation of our lives? So there are some things that absolutely every one of us, if we're following Jesus, if we're part of His family, if we're on His mission, we need to understand how to do these things. They're essentials. That's why we called it Everyday Essentials. And so um, be on the lookout as we go through these things. Where are areas that I need to grow in? What are things that I need to develop in? Uh, what are some areas that, that I haven't maybe looked at for, for a while and God is bringing my attention back to those things? Because he, the, the, this is the, my theory in terms of this whole series you cannot live an effective life of following Jesus without knowing how to do these things. You absolutely cannot do it. And so when it comes to following Him, you need to be able to know how to read His Word and hear what He has to say to you specifically through it if you're going to grow in learning what His voice sounds like. You can't live uh, the, the Christian life and do all that God has called you to do without being a, a, a person who is increasingly saturated in prayer. You just cannot do it. You can't live uh, the life that Jesus intends on your own without communicating with Him and learning how to do that on a consistent basis and spending time doing that in maybe more uh, full ways. Think of it like eating a meal. Uh, you can't live those things out without knowing how to do that. Same thing with discerning direction. We can't learn how to navigate through life following after Jesus if we don't know how to navigate life with His help. And oftentimes I think we get into trouble because we're trying to do that in and of our own strength, with our own abilities and our own timing and our own way, and we never open ourselves up to what God wants to do, and therefore we get off track in a whole number of ways. So all of those things are kind of leading up to what I think is maybe one of the most key aspects but one of, the most, uh, one of the least understood aspects of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and that is how to be led by the Spirit. How to be led by the Holy Spirit. Crucial. I mean, it, so if there's something that we need to understand how to do on an everyday, moment-by-moment, daily basis, it is how to be led by and submitted to the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. Crucial. I mean... I don't know if there's a more important topic for us to actually look at. So, so when we're thinking about that, how to be led by the Spirit, let's maybe talk about the, the inverse of that. Why is it that we have a hard time maybe being led by the Spirit? What are some of the obstacles or roadblocks that keep us from being Spirit-led people who know how to walk with Him? What do you think? Okay. Yeah, we don't like where he's leading us, maybe. And so we have a hard time following. There might be a healthy amount of distrust in his leadership, right? So maybe that keeps us. Okay, good. So maybe we don't know how to test what he's saying to us. Maybe we don't know how to interpret his voice. And that's, it's interesting because that's something that we actually can grow in. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And so we should expect him both to speak and for us to to be increasingly in tune to what his voice sounds like when he does speak to us, right? And sometimes it's weird. You know, sometimes it's like out of left field, and you're like, what was that all about? And maybe later on it'll make sense. Hopefully not Kentucky, though. <laughs> yeah, Lorraine. Yeah, right. So we're so busy listening to ourselves and our own plans and our own desires, maybe, that uh, we don't spend time listening to what he has to say or we really don't value what he has to say because we think that what we have to say is the final authority in our lives and that's actually i just want to be clear about that means to live by faith in you rather than faith in jesus christ just want to be real super clear about that when we're doing that we're putting more confidence in our own ability to lead than in his and so we're pretending as if we're the god of the universe and the god of our lives when we do that it's an unfortunate reality, and we're going to see why that is. But what else? Yeah. So maybe we're, we're used to being in control, right? Um, and we're used to exercising our way, and we're used to being the leader of our life. So oftentimes it is scary then to release control of that to him. 
even though we're told over and over again, that's probably the better reality, right? We're going to, anything else? Yeah, that's great, right? So it's not maybe that we've become too large, but we've made God too small. And we don't understand what he actually is about, his power, his grace, his ability to speak into our life. And so when we minimize those things, we go, why would I spend time listening if I really don't see that as being as, as incredible as it is? And we don't give it enough value. Yeah, so we're, maybe we're fearful over what other people will say about us if we are people who listen to the Spirit and make that known to other people, right? And so we're more concerned about our reputation in the eyes of other people than in His ability to lead us. It's really what's going on, right? But that happens all the time. Because nobody wants to be labeled a crazy person, let's be honest. I was, I was listening to somebody talk about this in, in particular, and he said, I was, I was praying and asking God what, it, what um, he wanted for me. And um, I was, he was specifically praying over a relationship that he was trying to cultivate over time and, and um, really just see them come to know Christ through his life. And he, was, he hit a dead end, and he goes, so I, I prayed, and the Spirit told me specifically, send him an email and say this. And so he goes, this is going to sound weird, but I, I sat down at a computer, and I typed out, I was praying for you, and God told me to send you an email asking you to come and meet with me so that I could tell you about Jesus, everything that I know in 60 seconds, or in 60 minutes. Send. <laughs> you know? And he's like, it was two weeks before he responded to that email. So for the two weeks, he's going, he thinks I'm crazy. I'm out of my mind. What in the world was I thinking? And then ultimately, they ended up getting together, and and it was a pretty amazing experience. But we don't want to be seen as crazy in the eyes of people that maybe don't understand that the Spirit actually exists and, and speaks to his people, right? There's a reason for that, too. Um, I just... I mean, I want to be clear about uh, some of the other things. Sometimes we're too busy listening to other things and being led by other people or um, other things in our life. We're too wrapped up in our status. We're too wrapped up in control. We're too wrapped up in gaining for ourselves prosperity in a, in a number of other ways. And so because we're spending time intentionally listening and being led by those other things, we don't have the capacity to listen to the Spirit and what He wants. That could be one thing that's going on. Another thing that could be going on and just being honest about the reality is that maybe you never actually trusted Christ. I think so often we we come into maybe the the church world or Christianity or maybe we've been part of it because our parents are are believers and so we we just kind of live faith with them. But it's something that primarily is about what we do. I go to church. I pray, I do this, I do that. And it's, and it's all about what we do to kind of be good people. And you've never actually released your own righteousness to God to say, I am not enough. Jesus, will you come and fill me? Will you come and lead me? Or maybe you have asked him for forgiveness, but you're placing your faith in a prayer that you prayed when you were nine years old. And you don't actually know what it means to walk with him in the everyday and let him lead your life. You never trusted Him. And so you can't know what, the, what, what it sounds like for Him to speak to you on a daily basis if you never trusted Him to begin with. And I just want to be honest with you, that might be going on. If you, if you said, you know what, I've never actually heard the Spirit speak to me. Never heard what the Father has to say to me. I've never experienced Him showering me with His love and, and saying specifically to my heart, you are my child, I love you, you are dear to me could be that that's going on. Oftentimes we don't want to talk about that as maybe being a reality, but I think it is. One of, the, one of the big things, I think, though, is that we don't really understand who the Spirit is. We don't really understand who He is or what He does. It's a little bit like if I were to, you know, I'm in a marriage relationship with my wife Mandy, but if I don't understand what it means to be a husband and to be in relationship with a wife, then I will live that relationship in, the, in a way that I was not intended. So the reason I'm in a marriage relationship primarily is so that I can lay my life down for Mandy as Jesus laid his life down for me. That's what it means to be a husband. But if I don't know that, then I'll live in this marriage relationship trying to get something out of Mandy to please myself when only, the only thing that really should please me and fulfill me is Jesus himself. 
And that relationship with him should be the thing that fills my marriage with joy and love and peace. But if I don't know that, then I'll live out a marriage relationship in completely backwards ways. And I think oftentimes that is what's going on with a relationship with God. We don't really understand who this person is that we're in relationship with or how to relate to them. And so because we don't understand those things, we get everything mixed up. So I want to first start out by talking about who the Spirit is and, and uh, what He does. Then I want to talk about um, why it is that if that's who He is, why don't we experience Him sometimes? And then out of that, maybe how can we start to do things maybe a little bit differently? So that's where we're going today. So we're going to look at uh, John 14, 15, and 16, which is kind of Jesus' primary teaching on who the Spirit is and what He does. And so I'm going to quiz you at the end. Okay, so I'm giving you the, 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 you know, the fact that we're doing this ahead of time so you know to be on the lookout for this. But I just want you to be aware of who is Jesus saying this Spirit is and what does He do? Okay, so just be on the lookout for those things and then we'll, we'll try to fill in the blanks afterwards. So let's start with John 14. We're going to start with verses 16 to 18. Jesus says this, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. Just to be clear, the reason that Jesus is saying He is with you is because the Spirit is in Jesus and Jesus is now with them. So they're experiencing the Spirit through Jesus. But he says, he will not just be in me, he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Now skip down to verse 25. All of this I have spoken while I was still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. It will remind you of everything that I've sent to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Skip ahead to John 15. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. Now John 16, verse 7 and 8. But truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away, because unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. When He comes, He will prove the world to be in the wrong. or He will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. Let's skip down to verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. All right, so what are some of the things that you heard? What does the Spirit do? What's his role? He's an advocate. Okay, we're going to talk about that specifically and what that might mean. But that's the, the word that you hear over and over and over and over again, right? What else did you hear? What's that? Okay, so he communicates the truth to us. The truth about who God is, the truth about who we are, the truth about how life should be lived. To convict the world, yeah. It's not your job to convict the world of its sin. Did you know that? That's good news, right? It's not your job to go around telling people how bad they are and how sinful they are and how damned they are. It's actually the Spirit's job to convict them of sin. It's our job to live the life that Jesus intended for us to live. Isn't that good news? That should free you from a whole lot of stuff that you might feel the burden of as a believer in this world. Because you might feel like, man, I need to go around and just tell everyone the truth about who they are. No, it's the Spirit's job to do that. You get to love them really well so that they ask you, why is your life different than mine? And the Spirit's job is to convict them that something is wrong in their life so that they might reach out and find Jesus. It's great, isn't it? Oh, man, it sort of takes the pressure off me. 
What else? Yeah. So he's, he's to teach us new things. He's to remind us of things that we already heard. And he's to testify about who? About Jesus. So it's his job to make Jesus really, really big in our lives. To testify to our hearts about him. To remind us about him. To glorify him. Good. Anything else? whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's to lead us and to guide us into truth. Um, he's to empower us and fill us. He's to speak to us. He's to help us. He is our helper. Uh, he's to give us peace. He's to testify about Jesus. He's to convict us of sin. Uh, he's to guide us into the truth and glorify Jesus in our life and to empower us to do all that God has called us to do. One thing that you learn about Jesus' life when you see him uh, living it is that he lived a quality of life unmatched by anyone who ever lived. And the reason that we often think that he was able to do that is because he was God in the flesh. But actually, if you read through the Gospels, what you find is that Jesus was able to live the life that he was able to live by the power of the Spirit. It was the power of the Spirit that led him and, and empowered him to do all that he was able to do. So where does that same power come from for us? From the Spirit. Now, the one thing that you hear over and over and over again in, in these passages is that word advocate that, that one of you mentioned. Um, and an advocate is someone who stands as a representative of the interest and will of another person. So if, you're, you know, if you know the legal system, an advocate is somebody who goes before the judge and said, I am here to represent the interests and the will and the desire and the person of someone else. I'm not here on my own behalf. I'm here on their behalf. But I'm going to speak on their behalf as if they were standing here with you. That's the, the, the whole purpose of an advocate. And, and it's funny because if you look at uh, the whole of Scripture, you find out that God actually is an advocate in two ways. One of the ways that we've, we've talked about before as a church and that is that Jesus is our advocate. In what way is he our advocate? We've talked about this before, but how is Jesus our advocate? Do you remember? Yeah. And not only in the past, but he actually is advocating for you today. Did you know that? Right now in the throne room of heaven, you have an advocate before the Father pleading on your behalf saying, Father, do not give them what their sins deserve. Give them what my righteousness deserves. Even today, as you sit here this morning, Jesus is standing on your behalf, representing you in heaven. Isn't that great news? What a picture, right? Of Jesus' ongoing work for us. He's pleading on our behalf. Bring about good for them. Teach them, grow them, sanctify them, make them who you intended them to be. Because that's what I saved them for. Jesus is doing that for you actually today. So what do you think it means then for for the Spirit to be the Father's advocate. What do you think that means? It's the whole thing in reverse, right? So if Jesus is our advocate before the, the Father, what Jesus is saying here is the Spirit will be the Father's advocate in us. What do you think that means? He is the one testifying to us moment by moment, day by day, just as Jesus is before the Father, speaking continuously on your behalf, the Spirit is in us speaking continuously on behalf of the Father. He is in you at this moment, if you belong to Jesus, testifying to your heart all that the Father wants you to know and to remember and to be guided in. Isn't that amazing? He's in you. And, and here's how you know, because um, even this morning, as I'm saying these things, if it's true in your own heart, you're probably saying to yourself, yes, that's true. It's good. I'm being reminded of things that I knew were true, and they were in there somewhere, but the Father is now using someone else's voice to communicate those things Bring them to my remembrance again, and I'm resting now in that new remembrance of who Jesus is and what he's done. Isn't that good? How many of you experienced that just now? Go ahead. I mean, just give him recognition for what he just did. That's awesome, isn't it? 
That God loves you enough not to leave you as orphans, but to give you His moment-by-moment presence to speak to you over and over and over and over and over again. To remind you of all that He wants you to know. And to, to communicate His love to you again. That's why Paul says this in, in 2 Corinthians. This is amazing. He says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? So you're the only one, really, who knows like the deep things that are going on in your heart. I can talk to you and you can tell me, hey, everything is fine and good. And deep down inside, you know that everything is chaotic and a total mess. But you can present something different to me and I don't know your spirit, so I'll take your word for it unless I see indication otherwise, right? And oftentimes we do that. So you're the only one that really knows what's actually going on in your life. You know the deep things of your own heart, right? So who knows about that stuff other than the spirit that's within them. And then he says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So it's the spirit that knows exactly what's on the heart of the Father. Now get this. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God. So that we may understand what God has freely given to us. And then he goes on in verse 16 and says, but we after having talked about people who are controlled and have the spirit of this world and don't understand the heart of God, he says, but we have the mind of Christ. Do you want to know exactly what is on the Father's heart for you? You get to. You get to know it. That's unreal to me. It blows my mind that I get to know the Father's intention for me and His love for me and His care for me and what He wants to guide me into and teach me and to remind me. Every moment, I get access to that if I should so desire it. And so do you. It's not something that's like only reserved for the spiritual people or for somebody who's gone through a process by which to do it. It is available to everyone whose heart has been cleansed by the blood of Christ so that the Spirit can dwell in you. It's the whole reason it happened amazing i mean i just want to ask you this if you could know the very thoughts of god moment by moment would you want that information you'd want it right i was reading through this again and remembering you know what jesus said in in john 16 he says it's better to have the spirit living inside of you than me living beside you it's better to have the spirit of god living and communicating to your heart than if you had Jesus tagging along with you outside of you every single day. I just have to be totally honest with you. Most days, I don't believe that. I don't. And the reason I know I don't is because my life doesn't match up with what I know to be true. But there's something that has to take place in our hearts where we actually believe this to be true. I think early on in my, in my Christian life, I kind of wrote this off as being something that's, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that's sort of said, but I don't know how much I can actually bank on it. I just want to communicate to you today, you can bank on this one. You can bank on it. Uh, I, I was having you know, this moment a few weeks ago, um, and a lot of you know what's been going on you know, in our, our lives and the fact that we Caleb and I went down and visited my mom. And by the way, she's doing better and she's doing okay right now. So thank you for your concern and and for asking me about that. But there was a day happening when it was before Easter. And I was just, I mean, there's so much going on that like between preparing for Easter Sunday and all the stuff that I knew was going on with my mom and and knowing that we were going to have to go down and visit her soon and and there's stuff going on with our house and that not being resolved. And also that we were, ha- I mean, we've been having a difficult season in terms of parenting um, and just coming up with a lot of difficulty and conflict, uh, you know, at, at this point. And so there was a, a day when all of this was kind of weighing on me. And I had to, there was a bunch of stuff that I knew I had to do that day. And I'm, I'm looking at the list of things, thinking through like the resources that I have that particular day and I'm going there's just there's no way there's no way like 
I don't have the resources, God, to do everything that you're calling me to do today. I mean, it's just beyond me. Even if I were to cut the list in half, there's no possible way this is going to get done. And I was just, I remember just feeling the weight of both the brokenness in, in the world, like in our world, in our home, in our family, and also just this incredible responsibility to have to know what to do in all of these things and how to navigate it well. And um, it, as I was praying through this and kind of getting to a moment of despair, the Spirit brought to mind a, a verse. And uh, it's, it's funny how the, oftentimes the Spirit will do this. Um, he will speak in the language of the Bible to us. And so he brought this verse to mind. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I remember hearing that verse in response to my cry to him, and needing to reflect on that and go, that's right. I'm not the vine. I'm looking at the list of the things that I have to do today and the wisdom that I need and the power that I need in order to do all this stuff. And I'm thinking through it from the standpoint of I need to be the vine. I need to be the source to heal the brokenness and to take responsibility and to do all these correctly and to not fail at all of this. And I'm feeling the weight of all of those things on me at this moment. And what Jesus was reminding me in that moment is you're not the vine. You're the branch. You get another source for the wisdom and the power that you need for the things that you need today. You don't have to walk through this day alone. You don't have to go it on your own. You're not on your own, nor can you do it on your own because apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you're in me and I am in you, then watch the kind of fruit that I can bear. And so I said, okay. Moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour, I just had to ask him, all right, I need help to do this. This is on my plate for the first hour of my day. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Spirit, do it. Okay, I'm coming up to this now. I don't know what to do. I'm powerless to do it. Please direct me in what to do now. And just hour by hour walking through that day and seeing a different result than if I tried to go it alone. I just want to encourage you that if you're in Christ, you get the ability to remain in Him. And He has given you the power to remain in you. And so what that should communicate to you, even when you think about this week coming up, is that the pressure is off. You're not the vine. Nor do you need to be. He gets to be the vine. And He wants to actually produce in you fruit. He wants to produce in you the kind of fruit that you see in the life of Jesus, right? When you look at the life of Jesus, you see someone who's bearing tremendous fruit in his life. Someone who, and, and we know that because he's, he's showing what the Father is like in everything that he does. He's pointing to the Father and glorifying the Father by the way that he lives and the way that he acts and the way that he forgives and the way that he walks with people and bears with them every day. I just want to make sure that we understand this. In order to do that, in order to live out this thing called the Christian life, in order to follow Jesus, you cannot do it yourself. You cannot be the vine and expect to do it. And the good news is you don't have to be. You don't have to be. See, we get the same wisdom and power to do everything that Jesus was called to do because we have the same source that Jesus had. The same one. Which sounds great. How many of you think, like, that's awesome. Let's just go do it. Right? Like, sermon ended. We got everything that we need. We'll just listen to that. We'll go and do it. There's a problem. A number of you have alluded to the fact that there is a problem, but there is a serious problem that we actually need to address. Because we think, man, what could be easier? Like, we're given the Spirit. He speaks to us. All we need to do is listen. Everything will be glorious. There's an issue. We don't like to listen. (laughs) 
We don't. Right? I mean, we're just being super honest. I don't like to listen. I think that I do. I get up going, I'm going to listen today, and then 30 minutes in, I'm off on some other thing. And I forget. And there's a reason for that. Galatians 5, which is one of the best passages to talk about the result of the Spirit at work in our life, starts out by saying this in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Just so you know, the flesh is kind of the part of you that desires what you desire. It's, it's the part of you that wants to rule and reign over your own life. And so when you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify that part of you. But there's an issue. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. I don't know, Aaron might have mentioned this last week, but the, the advice to follow your own heart is terrible advice. I'm just doing what my heart says. Stop it! Your heart, your desires, your flesh wants what is contrary to what God wants for you. You will do everything within your power to protect your comfort and yourself and your idols so that you don't have to listen to God and His Spirit. That's the issue. So to follow that voice, to follow that aspect of you, to be led by yourself is to be led astray from Him. Just, I, we have to be super clear about that, right? The Spirit wants what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So here's the problem. I think I kind of put a, a graphic up there. I was going to draw it, but it's a little bit more clear. That the, you know, the computer's drawing is a lot better than mine. So we'll go with that. Um, so it's kind of like we have the, this dual nature going on. Before you come to know Christ, you're, you're in the flesh. You have nothing but to be ruled by your own desires, your own wants, what you think should happen in your life, your own leadership, or the leadership of the people that are around you that are probably being led by their flesh too, just to be honest. Um, and so that's really the only option. Here's what happens when you come to know Jesus. You're in a sense saying, I am not sufficient to lead my own life anymore. I'm absolving myself of leadership in light of the leadership of someone better who is God himself in the person of Jesus. That's what you're saying. And so I just want to encourage you, if, if you've asked Jesus to come and forgive you of your sins, but you've never asked him to be leader of your life, there's an aspect missing. He didn't just come to forgive you of your sins. He came to forgive you so that you could be led by him. And so he could continue to forgive you and to continue to lead you. So here's what happens. We come to Him and we're in a sense saying, you are Lord. Your, you, your, your work is better than mine. Your righteousness is more powerful than my sin. Your grace is better than my idols. You're, you are better in every single way, in every single aspect. I'm coming to you with my hands up because I have nothing to offer you. You have everything to offer me. It's what you're saying. But here's the deal. Even though we do that once, we, we have to continue to do it. Because as Paul says, we're, we're, we continue to experience this desire within us to want to go back to the way things were when we were ruled by ourselves. And so we're kind of in the middle. So on one side of the things, we're, we're sort of dominated by the flesh, which is to have, so the little chair there is, is a throne, just so you're, you know... To, to be in the flesh is to say, I am on the throne and Jesus is subservient to me. I get to lead, he gets to follow. I get to say what happens, he gets to confirm what I would like to have happen. And I don't know if you've experienced this, I think you probably have. I experience this to a daily level. Jesus, come and, and, and submit to my agenda, submit to the things that I want. But then there's this other aspect of us that's led by the Spirit, which is a reversal, which says, Jesus, you are on the throne and I am subservient to you. Jesus, it's your agenda, not mine. You get to say what's true about me, and I don't. And those two realities in our life are at war with one another. 
they're at war. So how do you know whether you're in one or the other at every moment? Well, Paul says there's actually some fruit that comes out of your life to know which one you're experiencing at the moment you're experiencing it. So he starts out by saying this. This is how you know that you're in the flesh. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. They're on the surface. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So it's like we could keep going with the list. There's more I could even go into. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And just so we're clear about that, what he's, he's not saying that if you do these things, you're going to go to hell when you die. He's saying when you're doing these things, when you're experiencing them, you are, are experiencing a life that's outside of the rule and the reign of Jesus over you. You won't experience the life that God intends for you, the eternal quality of life that we talked about a couple weeks ago, when you're in these things. You're under someone else's rule in someone else's kingdom. That's the reason that you're experiencing them. So let's go back to the diagram. Think about all the things and aspects of what God has called you to do in areas of your life. Your family, your relationships, parenting, community, your job, your school, being on mission in the world. Is there evidence of the list that Paul gives in these areas? In the area of your parenting, are you experiencing anger and jealousy and division? In the area of being in community with your church family, are you experiencing selfish ambition and rage and hatred? In the area of your job, are you experiencing jealousy and envy? What's going on in those areas? What's the fruit of what you're experiencing? See, whatever is going on, if you're experiencing this kind of fruit, it's evidence that you're trying to do those things in your own strength, by your own power, apart from the Spirit of God. That's what he's saying. Which is tough, right? It's tough for us to actually take a look at those things and go, you know what, I'm actually living out my own leadership here. Because we want to blame it on someone else. We want to defer it to someone else's leadership and say, well, the reason I'm experiencing jealousy is because of my coworker and them doing that. That's not what Paul's saying. The only person that we get to take a look at when it comes to the fruit of our lives is us. It's us. Now, this has been particularly tough for us in, in just the area of parenting. As I mentioned, we've been experiencing a lot of uh, frustration and anger and not knowing what to do next and, and uh some of this is just a season and a stage, which other parents have told me who are further along down the road, and I, I get all that. But Manny and I were talking through this last night, and I just got to a point when I, I'm looking at all these things and going, I, we don't know what to do next. And I, I said, when's the last time we actually asked the Spirit of God what He wants us to do in the area of our parenting? It's been a long time. We've tried to think through it. We've tried to work through it. We've tried to ask you know, other people's opinions. When's the last time we just said, Holy Spirit, what do you want? What are you teaching us? What are you reminding us about? What do you want us to know? Where do you want to guide us? That, that changes everything, right? Because you know when you've done it and you know when you haven't. And it becomes very clear what to do next. See, so how do you know the flip side when you're actually walking in the Spirit? Well, he goes on and he says this in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, forgiveness, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's how you know. Are you experiencing peace and joy, and kindness, and goodness in an area of your life. The reason that you're experiencing those things is not because you did really great at it. 
not because you like knocked it out of the park. You're like, man, there's so much joy because I did such a great job. The reason that you're experiencing joy in that area is because the fruit of the Spirit is at work in that area. And so what that means is anytime that you're beginning to experience the fruit of the flesh, it should be a warning to you that you're not walking with the Spirit. Which is great news. It's great news. Because if you've been given the Spirit, you know you can stop at that moment and ask the Spirit to come and help you to put the flesh to death. And the reverse is also true. Anytime you're experiencing the fruit of the Spirit happening in your life, it should be an encouragement that it's not you producing those things, but it's the Spirit of God at work in you. And so that should lead you to being thankful and and asking God to continue to do that in you over and over and over again. God, give me more of that because I realize it's not for me. All right, so let's talk about how we do this. Um, it's one thing to talk about it in abstraction. It's another thing to kind of put some flesh on it maybe and, and give us a way to, to do this. Here, here's the thing that I've learned about the Spirit. He's a person. I know it sounds really simple. You're like, wow, that's amazing truth, Jay. Could never have figured that out on my own. But here's the thing. We often treat him as if he's not. We treat him as if he's an abstraction or a system or a program, or something to be figured out on our own, like a formula. He's not a formula. He's a person. So how do you grow in relationship with a person? I mean, what, what are some of the things you need to do? Spend time and enjoy the company of the other person, right? Talk. Listen. How many of you have ever been in a relationship with another person in any fashion? Friendship? Romantic? parent, child. Good. Okay. You have experience in this area. Great. How do you grow in a relationship? Yeah. Invite. Yeah. It's hard. Like I've just noticed this with some of my neighbors. It's hard to grow in relationship with them if I don't take the initiative to invite them into. Yeah. Give them value, right? And it's almost like it's a a two-part thing. The more you, you intentionally value someone, the more valuable they become. Amazing, right? The more you treasure someone, the more they become a treasure. Uh, So let me just give you some simple things when it comes to building a relationship. The first thing, I think, we're just going to run through these. So if you still have room in your notes, this would be a good thing to write down. First thing, you need to ask him to speak. You need to invite. You need to want to want the Spirit to speak to you. And you do that, you show that intentionality by asking. So ask Him things. Spirit, what do you want to teach me today? What do you want me to be reminded of that I might already know, but maybe I forgot? Spirit, what's next? I'm at a dead end with this thing. I don't know what to do next. Please show me what's next. See, and oftentimes we want like 12 steps rather than one. Spirit knows that if He gave us 12, we'd do the 12 without Him. He wants you to know that He's with you in the one step. So what's the one step? What ways do you want me to, to reveal Jesus to me? Maybe I've forgotten what His voice sounds like. Help me to remember that again. To know that again. How do you want to reveal Jesus through me to other people? What do you want me to be thinking about? What do you want me to actually set my mind on? Romans 8 says if we, the, the way that we do this is to set our mind on the Spirit. What do you want me to set my mind on? And oftentimes, like I said before, it'll be a passage of Scripture that he brings to mind. It's a good reason to actually be in our Bibles. And then ask him for wisdom and power to fill you for the things that you need. And here's what I, I've come to find out. Don't assume that you know what you need wisdom and power for. Right? So oftentimes I'll get up and I'll say, like, God, I need wisdom for this. And then he goes, no, you don't need wisdom for that. You asked the wrong question. (laughs) Your focus is in the wrong area. So maybe a better way to do that would be to say, what do I need your help for today? And don't assume that you know the answer to that question. You might think you need help for a whole bunch of things that Jesus is not calling you to. There may be a whole other thing that he wants to call you to. So then once you ask, this is like real simple, 
this, you know, third grade stuff. Listen for his voice. Don't just be the person talking all the time. Expect that he's going to speak to you in response. Now, what that might mean is that you need to limit the voices of other things in order to hear him. Oftentimes, I think we're, we're so inundated with other sounds and noises and voices that we can't actually hear what he has to say to us. And so that may mean putting your flesh to death in some other areas. I've, a great way to do this, by the way, is through fasting. See, oftentimes we, we think that we have the margin to listen to the voice of God until we take away something that's important to us. And then we feel the absence of that thing, and the absence of it causes us not to run back to it, but to run to Him. So maybe you need to take away something. Maybe you need to take away food for a little bit. That will drive you to know that you need something. Just take away one meal. How many of you have ever tried just to take away one meal, and you go, I was a wreck for four hours? Yes, I know. Do it again, and again, and again, and again. Allow a space for you not to fill your stomach so that God might actually fill your ears with what he wants to tell you. might be fasting from media, or from alcohol, or from your phone. What's, what's got the loudest voice in your daily life? Maybe that needs to go for a bit. Next, Ask, listen. Here's one thing I don't think that we've developed a skill in very often. Examine. Examine what you hear. See, we need to test what we feel the Spirit is actually saying to us. And so there's some things that we should run it through to make sure that we're developing ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us rather than some other voice. The first and primary one is, is it in line with the Scriptures? Is it communicating what I've already heard to be true about what he said through his word? If it's not, you can cross it off. Also, do you recognize it as the voice of Jesus? Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The sheep know my voice. And oftentimes we think that we hear the voice of God, and yet what we hear often is a voice of condemnation who is against us and who wants to to pin us down for the things that we have not done. That is not the voice of Jesus. Please know that. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd who lays down my life for my sheep. And so if you don't hear grace and forgiveness and mercy and justice over you, primarily, it's probably not the voice of God. Oftentimes we, we hear almost like the voice of our parents if they've been maybe condemning or judgmental, and we think we hear the voice of God when we really just feel terrible about ourselves. That is not Jesus' voice. Jesus took away your condemnation forever. He removed it from you. Therefore, you, you get to stand before him cleansed and forgiven and whole. Another good question would be, what's the fruit of this going to be in my life if I listened and obeyed it? Am I going to experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness if I were to follow this voice? Will it, and will it cause me to, to love others as a result? And so what will the fruit in the lives of other people be? Will it benefit them? Sometimes I think, you know, I, and I've actually heard someone say this, um, I, in confronting somebody about gossip, this is years ago in my college ministry, they actually said, the Spirit of God told me it was okay to talk badly about them because they deserve what I said. Really? James 3.17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first pure, then peace-loving, and considerate, and submissive, and full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Does it sound like those things? If not, then it's probably not of God. Last thing I would say is, does it, have you actually submitted what you believe Jesus is saying to you to a community of people that also are listening to the Spirit of God? Oftentimes, we, I think we want to be rogue Christians. We want to be out there on our own listening to the Spirit. And we don't actually want to submit what He says to us to other people, which is actually us not wanting to submit to the Spirit Himself. What have other people said about what 
you think Jesus is telling you. Don't skip over that part. Sometimes we think Jesus is speaking to us and we've never actually submitted it to a group of people to say, what do you guys think? The Spirit often speaks to us more than he speaks individually. And he'll use the community of people to confirm what he says. And then last, so ask, listen, examine, and finally obey. Obey what he says. Obey what he tells you to do. I've gotten into modes in my life when I want Jesus to keep speaking to me and I haven't listened and obeyed to what he already told me. And so I'm like, I'm not listening over here, but Jesus, speak over here. I'm open. I want to hear what you have to say. And over here, Jesus is going, I have, I have, I have. You haven't listened. You haven't obeyed. But I'm going, I'm listening. Have we obeyed what he told us to do? And oftentimes, that will lead us to do things that are uncomfortable for us. Uh, I just want to encourage you with this. Faith is actually putting more confidence in his leadership than in your reputation. See, we, we, we we struggle with obeying what he tells us to do because we think that we'll look foolish when we obey him. I just want to call you to actually submit your faith to his leadership rather than to put your confidence in your reputation before other people. So I just want to encourage you this as we close. The Spirit lives in you to empower you to do all that Jesus is calling you to do. The whole reason that he died was to forgive you and cleanse you so that he could come and live in you by his Spirit. And so that means every single day, Jesus by his Spirit has something that he wants to say to you. That means today, that means tomorrow, that means the next day. And so we're going to start that today. We're going to um, help one another in that, and I'm actually going to give you some space to do that now. So as long as the kids don't come in and barge and break us all up, which could happen at any moment, I get that. We'll try it anyway. Uh, I'm going to give you the next three to five minutes in silence to ask, listen, examine, and hopefully obey. I know this is like super uncomfortable for a lot of you because you're not used to being by yourself alone with silence for three minutes, let alone in a group of 90 to 100 people. That's okay. That's okay. So we're going to try it out and see what he does. And then uh, once we give him that time, we're going to come and respond to what he says, go to the tables. Um, And here, if you want to be so bold, when you go to the tables in groups of people, Share with somebody else what he told you. I'd love for us to be people that are not just listening to the Spirit, but sharing what he says to one another as an encouragement to each other. So do that if God would lead you. All right, let's pray.